0: Good morning, survivors. It's coffee time. Happy Saturday. You know, narcissists are really great at manipulating us. And one of the ways they do that is by using creative language that means one thing, even though they say another thing. So I thought today I would start a little series of what narcissists mean when they say certain things. So my co-star is going to be this little piece of paper. (laughs) And uh, so I'm going to have this guy tell you something that a narcissist says, and then I'll translate it for you. All right. Maybe it'll be fun. Let's see. Uh, What do you like about me? What it really means is how can you make me feel good about myself right now? I'm feeling a little low. Can you tell me nice things about myself? I need some supply. You totally took that out of context. What that really means? I don't want to admit that what I just said means what it really means and what I very clearly and obviously meant and I'd like you to not trust your judgment and think you're crazy because that'll help me out later. Guy, I totally feel like I'm walking on eggshells around you all the time. What that really means, I'm projecting myself onto you because I'm the one who makes you walk onto eggshells and I like it. I feel like if you really loved me, you'd totally understand me. What it really means, if you really loved me, you'd anticipate all of my needs and take care of me like a good mom and or dad and you would make sure that everything is perfect and that I can do whatever I want without any consequences and you would never ask me any questions unless I wanted you to. In fact, you would just stay in a closet in a box until I'm ready to play with you again. You're a terrible parent. That really means there are no limits that I will avoid stooping to to hurt you. I will do anything and I will say anything regardless of the level of incorrect it is, regardless of how much it will hurt you. I have no limits. Do you believe in love at first sight? What that really means? I'm testing you to see if you might be a good future supply. I've been looking for you for my whole life. I think you're my soulmate. What that really means? Looks like you'll be a good source of supply. Let's get together. The person I was with before you was completely crazy. I was abused and mistreated and neglected. What that really means is I'm conditioning you to do what I want and to to want to save me from my horrible, mean exes. In reality, they were perfectly nice people just like you, who I took advantage of and sucked dry. And who I'll probably go back to again when I'm done with you. Hey, Circle. You just can't handle when things change, can you? What that really means? I can't handle change if it means that I don't get all of the supply that I need, so you better not become anybody else. You're so paranoid. You read too much into everything. You're just doing that. You're just upsetting yourself for no reason. Stop being so stupid. What that really means is that you are too close to figuring out the narcissist. And they don't like that. So there you have it. 10 things narcissists say and what they really mean. Why do we have a tendency to detach from the self when we go through abuse? And what does that even mean? That's what we're talking about today at QueenBeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. Does that sound good to you? If so, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. One of the most commonly reported Side effects of having been abused by a toxic narcissist in a relationship of any kind is CPTSD or complex post-traumatic stress disorder one of the most common ways that this manifests in victims and survivors of narcissistic abuse is through this form of Depersonalization, it's called dissociation. When people have been gaslighted, when people have been abused by narcissists in various ways, manipulation, physical abuse, all these things, this comes into play. You feel separate from yourself or you feel like you're not a real person. Some psychologists call it depersonalization or derealization. So dissociation on a metaphorical level looks a whole lot like you're a passenger in a car. Let's just let's use this as an example, okay? You're a passenger in a car rather than the driver. It's like you're seeing all of the the turns and the twists and, and, and you see the journey, but you're just along for the ride. You're not really driving. The ride is happening to you rather than you're choosing the route. Does that make sense? Let me just get it a little more specific for you. Let's, let's discuss what exactly dissociation is, shall we? In the most basic sense dissociation is a disconnection from your physical surroundings. It's when you sort of feel like you're watching the world from somewhere deep inside your head, or maybe you're kind of back here above it a little bit, right? Or you're somehow disconnected from it, like you're not really there. You know what I mean? Like you kind of feel like everything around you is a movie. It's not really reality, like you're watching your own life happen through a movie screen, so to speak. So it feels like you're not really real or like you're watching life through like a fog. Does that make any sense to you? Does that sound like something you've experienced. Some people will describe it as feeling like a robot who has no emotions, feeling detached from themselves, feeling no emotions, no connection whatsoever to the people or the things or the environment around them, almost like you're an alien or like you're not really here. What was once familiar now seems somehow unfamiliar. This includes people, places, things, events, all of these things, family members, people you've known forever seem unfamiliar or you feel like you never really got to know anyone. Okay so now that we have the basics out of the way, let's talk about the more clinical definition of dissociation, shall we? So according to the International Society of the Study of Trauma and Dissociation or the ISSTD, dissociation is the disconnection or lack of connection between things usually associated with each other. And in its most severe forms, those who suffer from dissociation report that the disconnection occurs in the usually integrated functions of consciousness, memory, identity, and perception. So for example, a person who suffers from dissociation might experience something that most people would be extremely upset by, affected by, they may have no feelings about it at all. According to the ISSTD, this is termed as emotional numbing and it's one of the hallmarks of PTSD or as you know post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a common and unfortunate side effect of experiencing narcissistic abuse in a relationship. It's also a very common complaint seen in people who seek mental health treatment in general. Some of these people in my opinion probably don't even know they're being abused. They just think there's something wrong with them because they've been actively gaslighted by a narcissist, does that sound familiar to anybody? This was proven in a 2002 study. So how does dissociation as a result of gaslighting and mental abuse affect your life? What symptoms are involved? It might initially seem harmless because the truth is your ability to tune out the world is sort of a coping mechanism. And while some people might find your spaciness adorable or cute or whatever, the truth is there are plenty of less than desirable consequences that come with dissociation. There are five pretty common symptoms of dissociation that can significantly affect your life. And there's one that's less common, but potentially one that, that one is more devastating in certain ways. So depersonalization, like we talked about at the beginning of this video, is the sense of being outside of or disconnected from your body. So it's like you're feeling like you're not really inside of your body, you can't really feel like it's reality to you. You might even feel like you don't recognize yourself in the mirror, you feel detached from yourself. Derealization now is when the world feels fake or contrived around you. So people who are affected by derealization often describe this like fog or like they see the world from far away or through a veil. Some people say it's like watching a movie rather than actually participating in life. Now then there's dissociative amnesia another symptom and this is a particular type of amnesia that is specific to people with dissociation and it blocks out personal details such as incidents of abuse and manipulation that were especially traumatic for us. Sometimes this is blocks of time, sometimes from its it's minutes and sometimes it's years depending on the circumstances. Often people say that they just forget what they're talking about. But it's not just your standard forgetfulness. It's a significant issue that may even make them feel embarrassed sometimes because it's such a commonly happening issue in their lives. Then there's identity confusion. Identity confusion is a condition where you experience seriously conflicted feelings within yourself. For example, you might find that you're doing things that aren't like you. So maybe you're driving recklessly or you're trying drugs or you're racing cars or motorcycles or jumping off cliffs that you know, 50 years old or whatever. While part of you might find this behavior especially thrilling, the other part of you is disgusted by it. It's confusing. Then there's identity alteration, which is a shocking condition that parts of you are very defined and very separate from other parts. This is similar to a condition that used to be called multiple personality disorder. It's far less common, but it does occasionally manifest in victims of abuse. Now if you watched that movie Split, there was a crazy example of someone with this issue. What does dissociation have to do with being emotionally and mentally abused by a narcissist? When it comes to dissociation due to narcissistic abuse in your relationship, it's a whole other ball of wax. The thing is that learning to dissociate is something that begins as a survival technique for most survivors. Being abused on this level, this this emotional mental level. Even when you go into the physical abuse stuff, it is soul crushing. The emotional abuse of a narcissist, it crushes our soul and because we have very few people in our lives who understand it sometimes, we are forced to go within. Maybe that's because we've been isolated by the narcissist and maybe it's because quite honestly, we just are too tired to deal with people anymore. The ability to dissociate though during the abuse actually kind of saves you from losing your freaking mind, okay? It's a coping mechanism my friend and I don't know about you But when I first developed it during my abuse, I thought my gosh, I found the answer I can just go off in my little happy place everything be fine But the problem was that I started to go to my happy place all the time So I was never really here. You know what I'm saying? I was never really right here in this space. What happens is that you begin to feel so overcome by fear, anger or any other emotion that doesn't make sense to you and you probably find yourself doing things that you wouldn't normally choose to do on your own. So for example, maybe you're going to cut off your best friend or maybe you're going to stop calling like Aunt Sally because even though you've talked to her every day of your life until Now suddenly you can't handle the emotional distraction because you're so focused on the narcissist and keeping the narcissist from being angry at you. You do these things like this and potentially even more damaging things, right? Because you are attempting to keep your narcissist happy and avoid episodes of narcissistic rage, gaslighting or any number of other ways narcissists will manipulate their victims. So when all of this becomes too much for your rational mind to handle and you've become isolated or at least emotionally isolated in that way that you don't talk to anyone about your problems, you have to figure out a way to deal, don't you? So a lot of times you have to decide not to wish you were dead. You have to decide that the only way to do that is to simply stop feeling the things that hurts you. The things that are just destroying your soul, crushing you every single day. You might begin by rationalizing it in your head. Ah, he doesn't really mean it. She doesn't really mean it. Ah, they're going to apologize to me later. I'm sure they will. If I can just get through this moment and help this person with their anger or their self-esteem problem or whatever it is that makes them treat me this horribly, maybe I can be okay. Well, that's according to our perception. But when that doesn't work and when we give up and we stop feeling anything at all. Well at first, like I said, it feels freeing. It feels like, oh my gosh, thank goodness I've gotten over that. I don't need to care about those things anymore. I can just let it wash over me and go right on past it. But eventually this new ability sucks not only the pain from your life, but also the joy my friend because you're you're too far from yourself. You're too far away from it all. That's when you know you've dissociated, when you feel literally almost nothing, when something amazing happens to your life and you can't even feel it or see it. Why should you bother to get help with this? Doesn't it seem like it just makes your life easier in some ways? Well, yeah, it might seem like that at first, but some people will even tell you the best way to avoid being hurt emotionally is to, you know, avoid feeling anything at all. But the problem is this little thing that psychologists call affect dysregulation, which is defined as the inability to tolerate and manage intense emotional experiences. This happens because we lose our ability to soothe ourselves for whatever reason or we will, we were never really given the opportunity to learn how to soothe ourselves because we weren't allowed to express our emotion. This can cause us to have terrible mood swings, a serious lack of emotion on certain occasions where emotion is appropriate, the sudden reliving flashbacks of painful memories. It's like when a veteran with PTSD SD has a war flashback, except that it's reliving the tragic events and traumas that we personally have experienced such as the verbal and emotional abuse of a narcissist in a relationship and the, the crushing feeling that you constantly have when you're in that relationship where you feel like you can't even breathe because some elephant is sitting on your chest You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? You should get help for dissociation because it can absolutely ruin your life. It can cause you to become someone you're not. It can cause you to become someone you don't want to be my friend. And what you deserve is the ability to discover or rediscover who you truly are, not to be a basket-case shell of your former self. You should get help for dissociation because you deserve it. You deserve to feel things. Why do we dissociate when it's so unhealthy for us? Well, like I said, dissociation is a direct result of the subconscious mind's attempt to protect us from the intense and painful emotions that we cannot handle. It's our mind's last-ditch attempt to preserve our sanity. And it initially happens when all other methods of self-protection feel exhausted. We sort of artificially adapt our personality to manage our fear, our anger, our anxiety, any intense emotion that we may have going on. In this way, we control them and we temporarily save ourselves. So how do we start to heal from dissociation and become ourselves and begin to feel things again? If you're self-treating, you're going to have to work really hard, bottom line. Most psychologists will tell you to get professional help. Though I am a certified life coach who has herself experienced and overcome narcissistic abuse, I am NOT a physical health professional. So before you try anything I suggest, let me just throw a little disclaimer out here, talk to your doctor. Okay, the process of healing from dissociation begins first with understanding and awareness. Once you understand the problem and you can identify it within yourself, you can begin to develop coping techniques and habits that can help you to learn to live again and to take back your life. The next thing you need to do is to start working on your own confidence in yourself and in your ability to make this change. Then you can just focus on learning to become aware and to tolerate and to handle your feelings, which of course can lead to your growing as a person and learning so much many new things. So listen, I have a free five-day email course over at narcissism support coach.com. So run over there and pick that up. If you got a minute, just sign up for it and I'll send you an email for five, once a day for five days and then rarely after that. You can also subscribe to QueenBeing.com, subscribe to this channel. You have to work on finding confidence in yourself as you start to overcome the fear that's holding you back. That's all I've got for you right now, but before I close up, it is time for the question of the day. <laughs> and the question of the day is, have you experienced dissociation as a result of being the abused by a narcissist? I want you to share your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences in the comment section below and let's discuss this. Next time I come into one of these videos, I will be talking about how to overcome dissociation on a self-help level. Things you can do for yourself in your own home. Okay, so stay tuned for that. How does mindfulness relate to narcissistic abuse recovery when you're talking about having gone numb or dissociating from yourself? That's what we're talking about today at QueenBeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. Does that sound good to you? If so, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. So before I dig in, I want to start by explaining exactly how it is that this works so effectively for victims and survivors of abuse. So if you've ever been in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, you may have experienced various symptoms of PTSD or CPTSD, which of course is post-traumatic stress disorder or complex post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of having suffered from narcissistic abuse and the mental torture that goes along with that. One of the most common issues that my narcissism support coaching clients tell me they have is feeling like they're not really there, as though they're on a sort of a numb autopilot situation as they float through life, surrounded by you know, some kind of barrier between themselves and the world. Everything feels sort of foggy and surreal. We talked about this yesterday during my video. We talked about how dissociation works and all of that. Anyway, like I said, it's called dissociation and while it may originally have started as a way to survive the gaslighting attacks, you know, the name-calling, the manipulation, all of that, it can very quickly become a way of life. Are you aware of how many automatic behaviors and habits that you have and When you do something over and over, does it ever reach the point to where it becomes a mindless task? Can you relate to that feeling? You can do a task and finish it and then realize that your body like worked to complete the project while your mind was actively engaged in something else entirely. Mindfulness can help you learn to be present again. It can help you to refocus your thoughts so that you're actively experiencing your life rather than walking through it on autopilot. A lot of people assume that mindfulness Is a time-consuming practice where you have to sit quietly and for a long time and that's hard for people. I know it's really hard for me, so when you can enjoy sitting quietly if that's for you. It doesn't have to take a long time though and in fact if you don't want to just be still or practice Some formal meditation situation, you don't have to. Putting yourself under pressure is only going to make it harder for you. So what do you do when chaos comes calling in your life? Well, there's no denying that having chaos in your life is gonna happen. It's especially true when you're going through or you have recently removed yourself from a toxic relationship or any toxic abuse situation. When you're dealing with a narcissist in a relationship, chances are that you may be dealing with a toxic person. There's no denying that having chaos in your life is going to happen and that's especially true when you're going through. If you've already left, it might not be a constant issue, but it's gonna happen and when chaos does occur, it puts a lot of narcissistic abuse survivors kind of in a state of anxiety or panic. You know the feeling I'm talking about, right? It's when you get that knot in your stomach and it seems to rise up into your throat, make you feel kind of sick. It's when you simply don't know what to do and you don't know how to calm the chaos, the chaos that causes you to barely focus on anything else as a result of it. Regardless of what type of chaos you've experienced with your narcissist or outside of your narcissist, whatever you're going through as you're recovering, focused mindful intention can help. It allows you to be in charge of your emotions and your thoughts. I like to call it intentional vibration management or intentional thought management. So what do you do? Why do bad things happen to good people? How do you deal with stuff like this? I mean, you're good people, right? You're a good person. You haven't done anything to deserve the 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 situation you're in and yet here you are. So here's the deal. What happens is that, When chaos hits, the outward and or inward situation isn't taking place in the present. What do I mean by that? The chaos is because of what might have happened or what's going to happen as a result of the chaos. Does that make sense? So when you experience turmoil, your stress levels skyrocket. When that happens, it's incredibly difficult to stay calm sometimes. Your mind will start to race. The negative emotions will spring up, multiplying one after the other. Chaos causes you to become distanced. peace. It hijacks your thoughts and it pummels your emotions, but when you practice mindfulness, it doesn't give in to chaos. Why should you choose to be mindful? Well, mindfulness allows you to have peace and focus despite the physical or emotional storm you might be caught up in. It keeps you focused on the present and it anchors your thoughts and your emotions. That helps you to feel at rest even when you're not. It bolsters your sense of purpose and ability to make decisions. Mindfulness calms the anxiety and allows you to be in charge of what you need to take care of my friend. During turmoil, when you're under stress and pressure, your mind gets an influx of negative thoughts, toxic thoughts and when you don't practice mindfulness, those thoughts then cause your emotions to become incredibly intense that overwhelms you and life gets really, really hard, really, really fast. Mindfulness though, it doesn't stop the negative emotions from coming. That's what you have to understand, but it does help you because it helps you to be in charge of what's going on in your mind and with your emotions because it lets you corral the thoughts, sort of put them all in their respective perspective. (laughs) Is that a thing? It, it, It helps you keep the thoughts under control. Mindfulness brings a peace to the negative emotions and the negative thoughts that you, so that you learn to become aware of them and at the same time, they can't control you. So when chaos happens, most people end up being controlled by their emotions, by the anxiety and the turmoil that they feel. But mindfulness will allow you to take a pause, view the situation and be able to make decisions that are based on reality rather than hyped up feelings. Mindfulness will allow you to keep order in your thoughts and your emotions even when everything around you is in crisis. Being mindful will give you space to be able to keep yourself at peace. So how the heck do you become mindful anyway? Well, there are a lot of different ways that you can do it many of them very simple. And you can do these things without ever having to take a break from whatever it is that you're going to do or wherever it is that you're going, whatever's on your schedule, you can do these things. So knowing this has actually helped many extremely busy people to be able to get into the habit of practicing mindfulness. So number one, brush your teeth. It's so easy. One simple way to practice mindfulness is to brush your teeth. You do this so often that you probably do it without even thinking about it, right? But this time, the next time you brush your teeth, do so with focus. Don't just do it on autopilot. Don't think about other things. Think about brushing your teeth and getting them extra clean. It, extra clean. It really helps with mindfulness. Feel the bristles on your teeth as they cross your teeth and your tongue. Pay attention to how thick the toothpaste is. Pay attention to the flavor of the toothpaste. While you're brushing your teeth, pay attention to the process and don't let your mind wander or worry about negative things. Listen. That's the next thing you can do. Listen. Another way you can practice mindfulness as you go about your day is through mindful listening. So, so often you don't hear people around you. There are so many different sounds happening and yet you can't hear any of them because you're not focused on them. You're not listening, hearing them. Wherever you are, you can stop and you can take a few minutes, a few seconds to listen to the sounds around you. You might be able to hear a bird singing, you might be able to hear the wind blowing or the distant roll of thunder or if you're at my house, somebody's always running a damn lawnmower. (laughs) Either way, you can practice mindful listening. You can even do it with popular music or instrumentals. Hear each sound and focus on it for just a few seconds while you tune out anything else but that sound. Next up, breathe. Mindfulness can be practiced by focusing on breathing. It doesn't take long and it can be done any time of the day and in any place. As you breathe, focus on the breath that you're drawing in and focus on the breath that you're exhaling. Keep your mind centered on the movement of your body as you breathe. Breathe in the air and exhale it. Release it. Feel the air move within you and tune into that sensation as you're going through the exercise. You can practice mindfulness through many other activities including walking, eating, cooking, cleaning, even while you're taking a shower. Accept and empower yourself with these strategies. Okay, here here are a few more things. Try the way you conduct yourself in your personal and professional life begins with how you use your mind. So you can teach your mind to accept yourself and you can gain empowerment or you can stay stuck in self-defeating behaviors. It's entirely up to you. You are what you think. What do you want in your life? When you want to introduce change into your life, you need to first accept and empower yourself before you begin to alter anything. Your mind is really the greatest tool that you have my friend and and that includes the most effective thing you can do. Your mind is the most effective tool that you have and it's it, it offers you the most effective action you can take to live the best possible life that you can live, to change your life and make it better. Countless studies have shown that your brain is constantly working okay. Your brain can be wired to think or cause you to act in a certain way based on how you handle your mind's ability to tap into your subconscious. When you practice mindfulness, you can empower yourself and just fine-tune the subconscious abilities a little bit so that with mindful strategies, you'll be able to focus better. You'll lower your stress, you'll boost your confidence and you'll boost your self-esteem. Once you learn to accept yourself, you're going to be able to have compassion for yourself and it's going to defeat any negative internal talk that you may have been practicing. Meditation is a strategy that you can use to achieve mindfulness in order to accept and empower yourself. It helps quiet the mind so that it can be fully present. So you can be right here accepting the emotions and the thoughts that you have. You can choose a place where you feel relaxed and comfortable in order to do this. Or like if you're like me, (laughs) you know, look some people want to sit and meditate, some people want to lie down. Me, I like to be up and moving. I like to walk, I like to put on my headphones and I like to go. It helps me clear my head, it helps my body feel better and I do work sitting down. So it helps me stay active whatever you're doing though. You could walk outside. You could just whatever works for you Relax and focus on what's around you focus on how you're inhaling how you're exhaling if you're moving focus on how your body feels while it moves be aware of the sensations that you feel And the emotions that you're experiencing. Another strategy that a lot of people like to use is deep breathing. You can start this in the same way that you would a mindful meditation where you find comfort and just get started. But you can also practice deep breathing and other breathing exercises while you're active at home or at work. You focus on drawing in deep breaths and slowly releasing them you can also use mindful replacement techniques. These are strategies that call for you to be aware of the thoughts that you think about yourself, rather than simply letting them pass through your mind. So whenever any negative self-talk pops in your head, you make a conscious choice to stop it and correct the thought. I've told you guys this a bazillion times already, but you correct it by replacing it with affirming words that help you accept yourself as you are. Unconditional self-love is a beautiful thing my friend. This helps you reprogram your thoughts to enable you to feel empowered rather than listening to words that hinder you and create self-doubt. So next up, we're going to talk about a mindful method you can use to boost self-esteem and self-confidence. Having confidence means that you view yourself well, favorably even. It means that you know that you can do what you need to do, that you have the skills and the talents to be able to handle yourself. You trust that your instincts And your thinking and your abilities are sufficient. They're good enough or better than good enough. When you don't have confidence, it means that you struggle to accept who you are, that you lack confidence to do the things that you want to do or need to do simply because you don't trust that you can. The narcissist taught you a long time ago not to trust yourself. You go through life feeling like you're not educated enough or skilled enough or smart enough or pretty enough or handsome enough or talented enough or skinny enough or whatever. You judge yourself often thinking that what you could have or should have said, done and whatever, you always feel like you fall short. What mindfulness does is it helps to change this. It helps to build your confidence to replace the feelings that you're not good enough with trust that you are good enough. Using mindfulness to change your life is simple, but it calls for you to not dwell on your past or Any negative experiences that you might have had, where you feel like you failed or you fell short somehow. It helps you to not focus on the future or on what you hope to be. And it helps to train you to focus on who you are right now and see that you are good enough. Who you are is good enough. You learn to accept yourself and with that a strong confidence in yourself is built. Practicing mindfulness can also boost your self-esteem. Mindfulness can lead you to a life that's settled in the present, not constantly feeling like you're in limbo like you did with a narcissist. While you live in the present, there's a non-judgmental acceptance of who you are when you do it the right way. So many people have an internal voice that is really ugly. This internal voice has been conditioned to speak this way by ourselves. The disturbing results are that when we allow this internal voice to have a negative say in our lives, we can trigger stress, anxiety, and um, depression. This self-talk has a direct impact on how you feel about yourself. You have to learn to be aware of the negative self-talk. If you call yourself names, you know what? That's a sign. It's a sign that you've been engaging in negative self-talk. It's a sign that you are unintentionally lowering your own self-esteem. Some people call themselves stupid or idiot. When they consider doing something they have this internal self-talk that always tells them why they can't do it. You'll tell yourself things like, oh I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm too dumb to do that. When you allow these kinds of thoughts to run rampant, you can get into the mindset that you can't do something, that you're unworthy and then your feelings follow that internal self-talk and it becomes your belief. This habit can be so ingrained within you that the negative self-talk plays constantly in your mind so much that it becomes like white noise. What mindfulness does is is it brings your attention to the inner dialogue that's eroding your self-esteem. You learn what this internal conversation is doing to you and how it's impacting your emotions. Mindfulness helps you to learn to accept who you are without expectations, without blaming. You'll gain skills that you can also use to learn how to raise your self-confidence and your self-acceptance. Now it's time for guess what, the question of the day. (laughs) That's right. The question of the day is, what do you think? Do you ever struggle with self-confidence? Do you struggle with mindfulness? Have you struggled with feeling dissociated or disconnected from yourself since you've been through this abuse? Share your thoughts and your experiences in the comment section below. Let's get a discussion going. All right, you're not crazy. This is a different outfit and a different hairdo because today's a different day and I didn't finish that video yesterday. I got interrupted. But we're going to go ahead and finish up where we left off, all right? So, obviously, finding inner peace is difficult for anyone. Um, But, you know, it's especially tough for people who have been um, abused by narcissists, whether it's, you know, during or after your narcissistic abuse recovery. It's even harder. Um, And so everything you go through during the abuse can, you know, and, of course, after the abuse, the follow-up abuse, as it were, um, you know, can really feel like an obstacle to getting your mind clear and experiencing peace of mind, right? But there are ways, you know, that you can find and maintain inner peace, so let's talk about that. Okay, first, you've got to remember that inner peace is a choice, right? And many of your habits are going to determine how much peace, you know, you really experience in your daily life, so let's talk about that, you know. Um, What it comes down to is that if you're tired of feeling miserable and you really want to experience inner peace and enjoy life on a deeper more satisfying level, I got some things for you to try. All right, so number one, focus your attention on the things that you can control. say this all the time. Uh, Fact is, you know, stressing about things that you can't control, mm, it's only gonna sour your mood and make you less capable. Okay, so you're gonna literally ask yourself, Is this something I can control? Will worrying benefit me in any way? Most likely the answer if if it's no, then you need to move on and if, if stressing out about it is gonna help somehow, well go ahead and stress honey, but I don't think stress is gonna help ever. You know what I'm saying? All right, moving along. Just let me just say this one more time. Only focus on what you can control. What you can't control is beyond your control, so there's no reason for you to stress about it. It is what it is, okay? Moving along. Number two, spend time in nature. A lot of people don't really believe when you say this but the fact is that you know humans uh weren't always living in houses you know they weren't always eating microwave popcorn uh you know so try taking a long walk in the park sometime or spend a weekend camping if you enjoy that personally i would prefer to camp in a hotel room but that's just me. Uh, Anyway, but whatever it is, you know, get just get out, put your feet in the grass, uh, do what you need to do to feel comfortable, you know, go swimming, whatever. You're gonna feel dramatically different um, when you do spend some time outdoors than you would if you spent 24-7 in the house, all right? There is something peaceful about spending time, you know, out there with the trees and the birds and the bees and whatnot, right? All right, number three, all right, you know, like Shakespeare says, to thine own self be true. You know, uh, there are a few things that are more like disconcerting to you than living a life that you weren't really meant to live, right? So it'll continuously gnaw away at you. So it's real important that you live a life that's really kind of in line with your personal values and ethics. So a lot of times when we're involved with narcissists that doesn't happen because, excuse me, we find that narcissists are so overwhelming to us, their emotions um, definitely overpower our own and we feel so affected by them that we don't even bother to share our own thoughts. So, but what it comes down to is, it's really easy to let a narcissist or society dictate your choices. You don't have to spend your life, you know, doing what someone else wants you to do, whether it's your career or it's your, your life. If you don't want a big fancy house, don't go after a big fancy house. Make your own decisions on what matters to you and stick with that, all right. Obviously, you know, there's room for compromise in every situation, but that doesn't mean that you have to compromise to the point that you're not happy. I've said this before, compromise um, essentially is when both parties get what they want on some level and both parties walk away satisfied. Otherwise, it's not compromise, it's just you giving up what you know, what you want in order to make someone else happy. All right? All right, number four, eat nutritiously. All right, so you might not realize how bad you feel because you're so used to it, but the fact is that, you know, If you could just change your eating habits and start eating healthy for like a week, you'll see the difference. I promise you that my friend. Oh, and I don't know if you're like Indian food, but every time I eat Indian food, I feel fabulous. So if you're ever feeling down, go to your favorite Indian restaurant and pick up some uh, some good spiciness, helps. And you know, once you've done that like one-week experiment, if you're not really believing that it's better, try eating junk food and see what happens to your mood and your overall sense of well-being. And quite honestly, I'm gonna be real straight with y'all. better stay close to a bathroom if you do that, okay? That's all I'm gonna say, all right? Anyway, you will feel like you've been run over by a truck after you eat junk food and stuff full of preservatives, you know, and then after having eaten healthy for a week, your body won't know what to do with it. It's crazy. Anyway, five, exercise regularly. Have you ever noticed how great you feel when you walk out of the gym or you just ran down the street for some reason? That's because You know, exercise feels good. It releases endorphins into your body and you feel good about yourself after doing it. It's a fact. And even if it sucks while you're doing it, which it doesn't have to, you can do something you enjoy like dance or whatever, go play Pokemon, I don't care. Exercise feels good if you're enjoying it and definitely afterward, you know? All right, number six. Do something nice for someone else. So it's a great way to take the focus off yourself if you're stressed out. So you know, because you become more aware that other people are also struggling, you're not the only one, you're not alone. And when you're nice to people, when you're kind, you know, guess what happens? You're putting good energy out there, good kind, nice energy and then that's all coming back to you. So when you're kind, you receive kindness in return, All right. You are also gonna feel a sense of pride and satisfaction uh, when you help someone else. So that's pretty cool. Number seven, be assertive. Be open and forward with your needs and your desires, right? So you're not only going to be more likely to get what you want when you do that, but you're also gonna feel more in control of your life. So being passive is gonna result in having less control, right? So obviously that's gonna run counter to, into, to inner peace. So if you're gonna be bold, do it, but you don't have to be aggressive. Be bold without being aggressive. Can you do that? I think you can, <laughs> that just means be okay with who you are and don't expect uh, other people to validate you without you know reason or even with reason in some cases because we all know a narcissist can't validate anyone except him, him or herself. Number eight, meditate, meditation is calming, it is, it also helps to see life and its challenges more accurately, if you can kind of clear your head. Things are a lot of times they're better than they seem, and of course meditation can prevent your mind from making a situation seem worse than it really is, kind of opens stuff up, right? Something else I'd like to point out, personally I have trouble sitting still very long uh, sometimes, so I will throw my headphones on and just walk. Even pacing makes it okay, it's just a matter of you know, clear in your head and everybody's different. So sometimes I can't sit down and meditate like I'll, I'll, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I need to move and go and do what I have to do. So if you're that person too, just get up and go girl, it's alright, or guy, not trying to make it all about girls. You know what I'm saying? Um, Okay, point is, just do it the way you want to do it and don't stress about it. Okay, meditation can be done in a number of ways. You can do it with breathing, you can do it with thought, you know, thought control. Do it by walking and just clearing your head. I like to get in the car and sing too. I will sing out loud when kids get really annoyed with it, but hey, it's fun. (laughs) Anyway, moving along. Number nine, avoid trying to change others. Okay, other people, you can't change them. It's not, it's not your responsibility. It's not even really your right. You know, the fact is that You're gonna have just as much success success trying to change the weather and if you've learned how to do that pass it along to me Because I'd like to know, okay. But anyway, the fact is that we all know how hard it is to change ourselves, right? So regardless of the psychology behind it, you won't be able to change someone else without their consent. They have to choose to be changed and it can't really be you that does it, it has to be them. All right, you know the fact is that it's important to take care of yourself physically and mentally you know, eat right, exercise, be true to yourself, be assertive, take control of your life and all of the accomplishments in the world will not replace inner peace, okay. You know, there's a, a book, uh, I think, I think she called it Thrive, I don't remember which book it was but Ariana Huffington wrote a book and she talked about how she had been so overwhelmed with everything and she just literally almost died because she wasn't freaking sleeping very well, very often. You know, you got to take care of yourself, no matter who you are, no matter, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much stuff you have. The fact is, if you're not taking care of yourself, you know, none of it matters because you're not really feeling healthy or good or anything else. So avoid chasing those things that society says you have to chase and just decide exactly what it is that you want and live the life you were meant to live, alright? Now, how do you keep going when you just feel like giving up, when you feel like forget about it, right? I'm gonna tell you. The most successful people in the world have this uncanny ability to keep going when everyone else in the world will quit, but how do they do it? Your success is going to be tied to your ability to keep working after you have the urge to quit, whether it's working or going or you know, getting in the right frame of mind. You know, a lot of times when we're stuck with narcissists, we just feel like giving up entirely and and worse than that. So what do you do? How do you quit? How do you not quit? How do you keep going, right? Well, we all know that quitting is learned often at a a young age but you can learn how to continue making progress no matter how strong the urge to quit goes if you want to and and I'm guessing that a lot of us have already done this but this is just a little bit fresher and if you're in that position right this minute where you feel like giving it all up, listen up, okay? Consider the reasons you feel like quitting in the first place. Do you lack energy? A, A lack of energy is just one reason that, you know, a lot of people want to quit and it's also a a common reason for people who actually do quit but exhaustion can be, you know, both physical or mental. So there are things you can do, you know, get some sleep, a full night's sleep on a regular basis, get better control over your schedule, streamline your life, you know, eat more nutritiously just like we talked about. Learn how to relax, it can be done with meditation. Number two, do you lack focus? Um, Too many distractions, as we all deal with when we're dealing with narcissists, will result or can result in the desire to just give it all up, just quit. But are you trying to accomplish too many other things? Some type, some people, you know, regardless of whether they're in in a toxic relationship or they've just gotten out of one, sometimes people can deal with more things than other people, but the fact is that a lot of times when we are in this situation where we're trying to recover from narcissistic abuse, we feel overwhelmed and so we have to narrow our focus if we're ever gonna get our goals met, right? Now, number three, maybe you're quitting on because you don't feel like anything's important to you. Do you have a good reason to keep going? Why are you doing this thing in the first place, right? Well, you gotta remind yourself why it matters. You gotta remind yourself what you're, you know, what what you're trying to do with your life Uh, You know, maybe the best best motivation you can find is setting an example for your kids or your younger cousins or nieces or nephews or friends. Maybe the most important issue for you is self-respect, you know, I don't know, but the bottom line is, if you're gonna keep going, you gotta keep going. So find a good reason to continue, that's number four. Understand the reasons that you want to quit, you know, of course it's natural to give up sometimes, but People sometimes do give up, but the fact is that whether you're leaving your, your narcissist or you've left your narcissist and they're, they're love bombing you and hoovering you trying to get you back, there's a reason you did that, okay, don't be one of those people who just, who makes all of this progress and then just gives up, okay. Will you be one of the few who's able to persevere this, you know, it's not even the few. So many people every day leave a narcissist successfully and manage to survive and even thrive afterward. You know, it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other until you're finished. Yes, it's hard. Yes, you miss them sometimes, but I'm pretty sure that's because you forget the part that sucks about being with a narcissist. So if you're dealing with that, go ahead and write down all the reasons that you left the narcissist and then remember them because Not that I want you to focus on those, but I want you to remember why you left and stay away, okay? Because it is going to make your life better and maybe, who knows, maybe you'll end up with someone who's not a narcissist who actually loves you the way you deserve to be loved. Have you thought about that one? All right. so how do you, how do you hold out when, when you're ready to give up leaving your narcissist? Okay, well first of all again, like I said, revisit your original purpose. Remember why you left. Isn't that motivation enough? But I got it, sometimes it's not, you're gonna need to find a new reason, so if you can't think of one, well maybe that's a sign that you should be, you know, writing stuff down. Maybe that's a sign that you're not taking good enough care of yourself, you know, or that you don't love yourself enough. So you know, don't give up too fast, look, look deep inside yourself and (laughs) I guarantee you'll almost find, you'll almost certainly find a good reason to, to stay no contact, okay. One thing that will help is create small successes, okay, that's number five. Nothing is more motivating than success in general, so get yourself an apartment, uh, you know, or, or a room at someone's house, set yourself some regular goals by setting easy goals that move you forward, okay. Baby steps, like I always talk about, baby steps can and do result in the momentum that you're gonna need to carry you through to get to that place of success and happiness and peace in your life. You just have to focus on the immediate task and forget the rest of it. All right, let's move on to number six. The goal. Focus on the goal, keep your eye on the prize my friend. You know what? It's gonna suck when you leave the narcissist and you already know if you've already left, it sucked real bad, right? It was hard, it was not enjoyable, but you know what? Those of us who have managed to walk away and who have moved forward in our lives can tell you, it gets better my friend and pretty soon you might be looking around at this, you know, amazing life going, oh my god, I'm so glad I left, I'm so glad I moved forward, I'm so glad I didn't go back, okay? By focusing on the end point, you can maintain your motivation much more easily. So I tell this to all my clients, every single day, you know, you need to focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. So imagine, you know, maybe you want to get a little cottage somewhere in the world or maybe of your very own or maybe you want to live in a high, you know, a sky rise in New York or is that what it's called? Oh, a high rise. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, my point is, wherever you want to live, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to be, visualize that and stay focused on it while you're going forward. Okay. Number seven: stay on schedule. So, once your motiva- motivation begins to kind of wane, you know, um, especially if things start to settle down and you haven't left yet, and you're thinking, "Oh, maybe it's okay," you know, um, don't lose track of your goal. It's so easy and and sometimes I think that they sense that we're trying to leave them or they sense that we're not coming back when we have left and so they they love bomb and do all that stuff. So other activities are gonna keep you busy, Uh, focus, you know, so make a schedule that, you know, and a timeline that ensures that you stay engaged with meeting your goal, whatever that is. And then don't give yourself any excuses to quit because you've made this choice for a reason, right? Number eight, ask yourself how you're gonna feel if you don't keep going you know, quitting, you know, stopping your efforts to move forward, all of these things. Sure, it's easier in the long, you know, in the short term, but the next time you're sitting there getting screamed at, getting belittled, being gaslighted, you're gonna regret it and you know it, and you know it's gonna happen, so move forward. Remember, we talked about this, narcissists cannot change, okay, or generally they don't change. I'm sure that somewhere in the world there's a narcissist who changed, but I am not aware of him or her and neither is most anyone else that I know who's in this field, okay? So don't let yourself quit. Don't let yourself give up on you, okay? You gotta learn to keep going no matter how strong the desire to give it up goes, okay? It's the best indicator of your ability to be, you know, successful in the future. You have to eventually succeed if you keep moving toward that goal. And So don't quit just because you feel the urge to stop. You know, if you're in a situation, you've got kids, you have no job, you're stuck, you know, you're, you're being, you're in a position where you can't leave because you don't have any way out financially or because you're being controlled in some way, stay focused on it and do what you're doing and that makes everything better, okay? Sorry about that. Had someone walk into my office. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the next section of today's video, shall we? And I'm going to start by asking you to ask yourself a quick question. Are you creating or are you reacting? Good question, right? Alright, so you know the fact is that living by simply reacting to everything that happens around you is considered kind of like living by default or living on luck by some people and the fact is that living a life of reaction is what it really is and it's freaking stressful you guys and it's dissatisfying. People who choose to live this way end up only having access to like random stuff, you know, just whatever happens to fall into their lap, and sometimes maybe that's enough for you, but, but I find that those people and those lifestyles tend to be driven by pain and they actually avoid creating their own opportunities, like they let life happen to them instead of them choosing what happens to them, you see? So on the other hand of course, creating your life, you know, that's good stuff, it's assertive, it makes you feel assertive, it's satisfying, all this stuff. So how can you go from reacting to your life to creating your life? How do you go from controlling, you know, not controlling it to having full control? Well, you're only going to know you're reacting if the quality of your life fluctuates between <laughs> bad and okay. You know, that's that's how you know that you're reacting and not creating, right? Um, it's pretty basic. So the fact is like... If you are in a situation where you are leaping into action when your comfort falls below a certain standard, you're gonna work hard and bring it back up to the tolerable status and then of course you relax again and you only take action again when the, situa- the, the situation gets terrible, that's reacting. If you fail to choose a direction for your life, in my opinion, that's kinda choosing to fail already. You know, without a chosen goal or endpoint, that's no intention. So you, you have no intention and with no intention, You know, you're gonna just get whatever falls in your lap, whatever happens to hit you as it goes by you. You know, people, people who have great lives, they didn't get there by accident. You know, they chose it. Be brave enough to choose a path and stick with it. Um, Whether that's leaving your narcissist or continuing to stay gone or it's moving forward afterward in some awesome, you know, new part of your life that you have chosen. You get to choose now. That's the cool stuff, okay? Discover the power of visualization. All right, because visualization, I've talked about this a million times, visualization is very powerful on a number of levels, okay? And we're gonna talk about that right now. First of all, it forces you to sort of determine exactly what you want, so you have to make a choice before you visualize anything, all right? So like right now, I want you to close your eyes for a minute, right? And I want you to think about what a red circle looks like, okay? Now with your eyes closed, I want you to see that red circle and it's flat. And Now I want you to watch it morph from a flat red circle into a 3D red ball and then I want you to bounce it on out of your mind, okay? Did you see that really clearly in your head? Well the fact is that you can visualize anything with that kind of clarity if you want to. Visualization is gonna help you to keep your objective and your goal fresh in your mind. So like if part of your goal is to leave your narcissist, then focus on how your new place is going to look without him. You know, is your narcissist going to move out of the place you're in now or are you going to move out of the place and get a different place? If you're getting a different place, what's it going to be like? How's your couch going to look? How do you want to decorate the windows? Think about this stuff. It sounds silly, but really think about it. I had a client tell me the other day, you know what? In fact, I'm going to do a vision board uh, uh, video for you this week. But I had a client tell me the other day that her vision board had a cottage on it. And, uh, and then, and, and she just on Saturday moved into a very similar looking cottage. And I think that's awesome. And she also was, you know, successful in moving forward. So you go girl. Um, but anyway, the reminder of what's important to you is, is a really, you know, good visual, visualization will give you that opportunity to, to get a regular reminder of what's important to you. And the reminder is going to serve, serve you in a way that, you know, it can help you kind of spot opportunities that are related to this when, when they present themselves, you know. And so visualization is going to make your objective more believable to you. It's, you know, imagining success over and over trains your brain, you guys, trains your brain to believe that success is possible. And I swear, I'm, I'm a walking breathing example of it myself. All right. You only need to spend five minutes every day visualizing your desired outcome. And you know what? If you don't have five minutes to spare, maybe you just want to do it right before you go to sleep. Maybe you want to do it while you're in the shower. Doesn't matter. Take five minutes every day and visualize what you really want. Okay, just try it. See what happens. You got to know the difference between action and reaction. Okay, so with action obviously you're moving toward the chosen reality that you want. When you're reacting, you're being stimulated by the current reality, but you know, your reaction seeks to bring the situation back to quote unquote normal. And if normal isn't good for you right now, my friend, that's bad news, right? Action is taken with the intention of creating a new reality. So you have to intend to create a new reality, all right? Number five, what could be more fulfilling than creating a life that inspires and excites you? Hmm? You know, reacting to life consists of solving one problem after another. And Nobody wants to do that forever, do they? And if they do, you know, maybe they're, you know, I don't know, a troubleshooter for their career. Anyway, but really, who wants to spend, you know, a life doing more nothing else other than dealing with unnecessary challenges or passively waiting for the next issue to appear? Don't you want to have control? You know, if you live that way, life invites stress and uncertainty, and nobody likes that. Nobody feels good with stress and uncertainty. How about we create the lives we want instead, did you know that you can do that? We can totally do that you guys, doesn't happen automatically but you know, the fact is that lately there's been a lot of emphasis on the idea of allowing the universe to deliver the results you desire while you wait patiently on the couch and unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Maybe you know someone who woke up one morning and they had a freaking new Porsche in their driveway in their new house, they woke up and they didn't know how it got there but we all know that's unlikely, okay? Um, When you get clear on what you want, you have the opportunity to take inspired action to get it. See, you're going to notice the opportunities to be successful and you're going to make the most of them and that's what this is about. You know, you also have to respond to the challenges rather than reacting to them. So instead of just reacting to the issue at hand, you have to avoid future (laughs) recurrences. Most of the challenges you have today are going to be the same ones you faced numerous times in the past. Create a solution and a plan for prevention. You know, because making the same mistake repeatedly is silly and unnecessary. You have to decide today to choose the type of life that you would prefer to enjoy. You have to remind yourself of your choice by visualizing it regularly. Okay, avoid living a life by default, you know, create the life you deserve, the life you want and make it yours. That's what it's all about. All right, so now it's your turn. Tell me, what is it that you would You know, do, Do you think that you're living with intention right now, or do you think that you're reacting to life? Do you think that you're stuck, or do you think that you can move forward? Do you have a goal to leave your narcissist? Have you already left your narcissist? Are you working toward a different goal? What's going on with you right now? How can I help you this week? Leave me a comment, let's talk about it, all right? In the meantime, Uh, Visit QueenBeing.com if you have questions or concerns about narcissism. The the site is packed with articles and resources, downloads, all kinds of freebies. Everything you need to know is right there. If you're looking for something a little more personal, visit NarcissismSupportCoach.com. You can get uh, my free five-day email course if you haven't already, and you can pick up um, information about personal coaching, whether you're looking for group coaching or you're looking for, you know, like a small group coaching situation, or you're looking for personal one-on-one coaching with me, I offer both of those, okay? Uh, Also booksangierote.com, everything's, you know, under $4.99, most of it's like between $2.99 and $3.99, I've got 20 different books there, so booksangierote.com, all right? Okay, that's all I got for right now. I'm sorry for running late today, have a great week, and I'll see you tomorrow.